You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente. On today's edition... There's a confrontation between light and dark, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the God of this world. And it's a power confrontation. That's, by the way, what happens at salvation. When you become saved, there's a power confrontation that happens. And the forces of darkness conflict and have a battle, spiritual battle over you. And Jesus wins when you surrender your life to him. And he rescues you. In the current state of our society, the lines have been blurred and everything seems to fall into the gray area. Morality has been turned upside down and the terms of right and wrong have been completely redefined. How's anyone supposed to know where they stand in today's day and age? Pastor Holland reminds us in today's message that with God, things are still black and white. He has not changed. He's still the same as he's always been. And he still draws a line between good and evil. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Numbers chapter 10 as he begins his message, Trumpets in the Wilderness. We're going to be in Numbers chapter 10 today. As we've been going through the book of Numbers, we've been looking at it from the standpoint of Numbers represents to us the betrothal period that God takes Israel through as he you know, has uh, kind of made a covenant with them to be their God for eternity. And then he's going to bring them into the land of promise. And so to kind of give us a picture, a recap of where to kind of put all of this in Leviticus chapter one, God calls Israel to draw near to him, to draw near to God, uh, to be completely devoted, dedicated to him, much like what you would do when you would propose to someone, right? When you want to be married to someone, you say, hey, I want you to spend your life with me. I want to spend my life with you. And then in Numbers 1 through 6, God presents Israel with what the Hebrews call a ketubah or a marriage covenant, a covenant to become married, a promise to be married. And it's a promise for an eternal relationship with Israel. And as Part of every ketubah, every covenant of marriage, the groom always gives a gift. Now, in our culture, we give a nice ring. You know, we give a ring to the person we want to marry. But in Numbers chapter 6, God's gift to Israel for accepting this covenant is the blessing, what we call the Aaronic blessing. And the thing that was unique about the Aaronic blessing is that it wasn't a blessing from Aaron, as it has, you know, been misnomered. It's a blessing from God through Aaron to the people. And so this is God's promise, God's gift to Israel. And it's what we say at the end of our service. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you and to give you peace and to give you all of this blessing, all these things that God says he's going to do for Israel for accepting this covenant for eternal relationship with God. And then we get to Numbers chapter 7, where in Numbers chapter 7, Israel accepts. They said, yeah, we'll do it. Well, they accept this covenant, and they accept it by presenting offerings. And as I've said, you know, offerings always represent drawing near to God. As we were, yesterday, we, we had a sod laying party at our house, which is a great thing. Our house went instantly from brown to green, and it's just a, an incredible thing to see that transformation happen. But as I was talking to some, one of the young men that came to help, 
And he was talking about, you know, we were talking about the sacrificial offering systems and all this stuff. And, and he's like, yeah, you know, every time I think of sacrifice or offerings, I think of like sacrifice, you know, like something you have to sacrifice. And that's what we think about when we think of sacrifice, right? I'm making a sacrifice. And even I've heard people talk about, you know, when you come to worship, you got to offer the sacrifice of praise. Even if you don't feel like it, you got to do it. Sacrifice. Now, can you imagine... Your wife comes up to you and says, I want to kiss. Even if you don't feel like it, you got to do it. That'd be a horrible relationship, wouldn't it? You would hate that relationship. You know, my wife says, you want to kiss? And I'm like, I will drop everything. I will leap over the entire house to be right there. Oh. Because <laughs> it doesn't happen that often. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, it's offering is something that you want to do. In the scriptures, it's Corbin. It means to draw near. You want to draw near to God. You don't want to be far away from God. So you're like, I want to draw near. So it's not sacrifice as we think of sacrifice. In the Hebrew, it's a different word. They have a different understanding of their relationship with God oftentimes than we do. And so... In Numbers chapter 10, as they're drawing near to God, God is preparing Israel to leave Mount Sinai, where they have been for this period of time, and to journey to the land that he has promised for them. That was part of what the groom would do. The groom would go to his father's house and prepare a place for the bride. And then he would come back to get the bride and take the bride to the place that he prepared for them. That's what Jesus did when he left. He says, I go to my father's house to prepare a place for you. And he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, know this, that I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. I'm going to come back and receive you and bring you to the Father's house. And of course, he's talking about the rapture of the church, that time when we are going to be taken up with Jesus to go to the Father's house to consummate this uh, relationship that we have with Jesus in the holy place and in heaven. And so in chapter 10, God is preparing them and God commands Moses to make two silver trumpets that are to be used to communicate from God to the people. And so we read in Numbers chapter 10, verse 1, it says, The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Make two silver trumpets for yourself and you shall make them of hammered work. You shall use them for calling the congregation and for directing the movement of the camps. Now, these trumpets, although they're similar to the shofar that we've been reading about, the other word that's translated trumpet in the Old Testament, shofar, but it's a different word that is used here. The word that is used here is katsorat, katsorat. And it basically speaks of a, a trumpet that is made out of hammered silver. A shofar is made out of what? A ram's horn, right? And what is a ram's horn? It's a piece of dead flesh. That's a ram's horn. You can't get any more dead than a toenail, right? Ram's horn is made out of the same things as a toenail. So basically, a shofar is a dead piece of flesh. But what happens when breath goes through the shofar? When breath goes through this dead piece of flesh, it comes alive. It makes a sound. And what is the sound that it makes? It makes a sound of worship. 
It's a call to worship, a sound of worship. So what happens with us? who are dead to God before we are alive to God in Christ Jesus. When we're dead to God, the Holy Spirit breathes life into us. God breathes into us. And what happens? We become alive. We become alive. We're born again. We're born into new life. We come alive. And what sound comes out of us? It's a sound of praise. It's a sound of thanksgiving. It's a sound of worship to the Lord. That's what God does. So I want you to catch these pictures because when we gather together to worship, worship is one of the most joyful things we can do because we are people who were dead and now we're alive. And God has breathed life into us. And so our worship is to be joyful, it's to be filled with thanksgiving. But the silver trumpets were different. They were only to be used by the sons of Aaron, the Kohanim, the priests. With the shofar on the first day of the feast date, which is a feast date as a time of worship, or new moon, only one shofar was used. One shofar. One shofar was used to announce the beginning of the celebration of the people. Now's the time to worship. One shofar. But... Up to 120, we see recorded in scripture, of the silver trumpets could be used at one time to communicate the message from God. Many messengers. And we're going to look at what that message is a little bit later in the message today. Because even the materials that were used to make the trumpets is significant, has meaning to us. Remember, God is a God of revelation, right? So God is always revealing to us. God is always uh, unfolding to us uh, things about himself. Everything he says, everything he does, even the materials he uses, everything has meaning. And we want to glean what that meaning is. But every time the silver trumpets are used, some variation of the word remembrance accompanies it. So the silver trumpets were a call to remembrance. And we're going to see that as we go through the scripture. The shofar was a call to worship, but the silver trumpets was a call to remembrance. Now, they had two primary purposes in the life of the nation of Israel. The first was for war. The second was for worship. So the silver trumpets were used in war, and they were also used in worship. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 9, it says, When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered. So here's that word remembrance before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. So you will sound the alarm, and you will be remembered. So do this in remembrance, right? When you sound the alarm, you will be remembered. When you blow the silver trumpets, you will be remembered. And so the first purpose we see for the blowing of the silver trumpets was to assemble the nation to war. To assemble the nation to war. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. 
You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. And if you notice here in verse 9, it says, when you go to war. Not if you go to war. Or should you go to war. But he says, when you go to war. And there's a reality that you and I must face in this life. That there is a fact, whether you're aware of it or not, that you and I are in a spiritual battle, that we are in a time of war, that war is all around us. There is a spiritual battle being waged at all times all around. We're in a constant state of war against Satan and his demons. It's like living in Israel. If you lived in Israel, the Israelis don't have a time when they can let their guard down. They can't ever just say, hey, you know, guys, everything's going great. We've had 120 days, no accidents. Let's all put our guns down and let's just go have a party together. Because the minute they do that, that's when the Assyrians are going to attack. That's when ISIS is going to attack. I remember when we were in Israel, we we went to Tel Dan, which is the, the northern part of Israel. And it's the place where Israel gave themselves over to idolatry. And we go right to the border. And on the other side of the border is Jordan, I believe it is, right? Lebanon. Sorry, it's Lebanon. And so we're standing on Lebanon. We're looking at the, there's a town over there. And we're looking at all of this field and everything and all these fences where they've moved the line, you know, the border line. So you got all these fences and cameras and everything. And we're looking over there. And the tour guide goes, Look over there. He goes, ISIS is over there. And he says, and you know what else? They're watching you. You're being watched right now by ISIS. I mean, think about that. Being someplace where just over there is the people that have been beheading Christians, little children, ISIS in Lebanon, right less than a mile away. That's where Israel lives. That's how close the danger is. Because it's not on the forefront in our minds because we don't see it on the surface as much. We don't consider the fact that it's there and that it's real and that it's constant. Paul says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In Ephesians 6.12 it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, this word wrestle, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That word wrestle, for all of you English teachers, thank you very much for educating me. The tense of this word is in the present active indicative tense. The present active indicative tense. And what that means is this. 
It means that it's present. It's happening right now. It's active, which means it is continuous. So it is a lifestyle of warfare and that it is in the indicative tense, which means it's not a possibility. It's not a probability. It is a fact. And so the fact of the matter is that you and I right now, as we're sitting in this place, that we are in the midst of a continuous lifestyle of spiritual battle. We are at war. We're at war. But notice who the enemy is. Paul says, but we're not warring against flesh and blood. We're not warring against people. People are not the enemy. Now, it's often hard for us to get this because oftentimes how the attack comes to us is through people. And it's easy for us to identify a person as the enemy. But people are not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Satan is the enemy. Principalities, that's the enemy. Powers, we're going to look at this in a second. Rulers of darkness, hosts of wickedness, they're the enemies, not people. People are casualties of war. People are held captive, taken into captivity, held in bondage. And the problem is, is that many of them don't even know that they're in bondage because it's all they've ever known. If you've grown up under communism, if you've grown up under a dictatorship, if you've grown up under Islamic law, Sharia law, you would not know any difference. You would not know that you were in bondage. You would just think this is the way life is until you get confronted with something else. Until you get confronted with freedom. Then all of a sudden you start going, oh, wow. You get to do that? I can't do that. You get to do that in your kingdom? I can't do that in my kingdom. You get to do that under your government? I can't do that under my government. And that's what happens when the kingdom of God confronts the kingdom of darkness. All of a sudden, the kingdom of light exposes the darkness that's there. All of a sudden, the truth exposes the lie, and there's a power confrontation. There's a confrontation between light and dark, between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the God of this world. And it's a power confrontation. That's, by the way, what happens at salvation. When you become saved, there's a power confrontation that happens. And the forces of darkness conflict and have a battle, spiritual battle over you. And Jesus wins when you surrender your life to him. And he rescues you and defeats all the powers of evil in your life. So people are the casualties of war. They're the prisoners of war. They're not the enemy. That's why we're to love. That's why we're to love people. That's why we're even to love our enemies. To do good to those who do bad things to us. Why? Because sometimes they don't even know what they're doing. They can't even help it. Jesus, when the people crucified him, they said, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. They don't even see that they're in bondage. They don't even see that they're being manipulated 
by the enemy. You see, when you don't forgive someone, according to what we see in Matthew, when you don't forgive, you open yourself up to demonic manipulation and torture. You become tortured by demons. And so oftentimes as I'm counseling people and I see people that are tortured, the first thing I look at is who do you need to forgive? What do you need to let go of? What bitterness is in your heart that you need to let go of? When people have a hard time with their minds, they start thinking squirrely. They can't see things correctly. Sometimes it's because there's bitterness in their heart. And that bitterness has opened them up to demonic torture. They don't even know it. Now, I'm not saying that a Christian can be demon-possessed. I don't believe that. When the Spirit of God lives within you, the light dispels the darkness. There's no room for anything else. But you can submit yourself to torture. You can open the door to allow things to come into your life that will quench the work of the Spirit in your life. When you give yourself over to idolatry through addiction, you open yourself up to demonic control. And oftentimes people don't understand that. They don't understand how the decisions that they make to join themselves to other things that God says don't join yourself to, that they're literally opening themselves up to demonic manipulation. And I think sometimes if we had it clear in our mind, we would make better choices, don't you? I mean, how many of you want to be controlled by a demon? Nobody, right? But every time you give yourself over to addiction, that's exactly what you're doing. You're bowing down to the demonic power behind that. And so if you want to be free, you reject it, you turn away from it, and you embrace Jesus and draw near to him. And he will set you free. He will deliver you from it. See, the enemy is spiritual. There's four realms that he works in, according to Paul. The first is in the realm of principalities. In the Greek, it's the, the word principos. It talks about the principles, the first things. It's a different word. And as we've been going through the scriptures, if you were with us as we were in the first part of Genesis, I would encourage you to go back and listen to that again if you didn't hear that. Uh, it's all online on our website, calvarysanclemeny.org. But we talked about how the uh, world system was developed. The demonic forces were attempting to wipe out mankind. And the world system was developed through Cain and through Nimrod and others. And so this whole system of demonic manipulation became developed. And that's what made so powerful what God did on the earth. It was always, it always has been with God, a conflict between God and the powers of evil. Thank you for listening today. When I was a young man, Jesus made himself known to me. I was sitting in a Bible study and I heard an audible voice say, Holland, I love you. And those words changed my life. And you know, those words can change your life today as well. You know, Jesus said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And today you can begin that eternal everlasting life by praying a simple prayer and mean it with all your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, 
I surrender to you. I want to live my life for you. Forgive me for everything I've done to offend you. Forgive me for breaking your law. I want to surrender to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you've done that, you're born again. You've been listening to a message in a series through the book of Numbers. Pastor Holland has more to share from this Old Testament book, and we look forward to the next edition of Worship Life Radio. We're so glad you took the time to hear from God's Word today. Numbers is a mix of rules and rituals, sprinkled with details of God's expectations, as well as giving you some good insights into some of the larger events that occurred during this time of wandering in the wilderness. God gave the people many opportunities to follow in obedience, which would include blessing, But many times, the people chose their own way, which led to death and judgment. It's a recurring pattern that happens with human nature. One thing's for sure, God gives chances and grants mercy. But He also must judge for sin and wickedness. As you listen to these teachings, do you appreciate the way that God responds to things? Or does it bother you in some way? If you'd like to get in touch with us about what you've heard today, feel free to call us at 949-228-9117. That number again is 949 228-9117. We'd be happy to talk with you about any questions, comments, or concerns. Another way you can learn more about what you're hearing is by listening to additional messages from this series. You can find them at calvarysanclemente.org. Click on the Teachings tab. We're thankful that you spent some of your day listening to the Word and hope you'll join us again on Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.